Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Billy Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go Billy Up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, Albert Einstein once said, quote, three great forces rule the world, stupidity, fear, and greed, end quote. I'd add to that impatience, all of which can come back to bite you. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right. I'm ready today. Got my printouts, man. Got my papers. All right. NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you. If you already know this stuff, okay, you get nothing. Just like, you know, Willy Wonka told granddaddy and charlie uh because they stole busy lifting drinks you get nothing but um i mean you get to hear my voice that's about it but uh enjoy it just please enjoy it this show is for those who don't know as much about nfl history so we are here to enlighten teach and learn it is the behind the mic podcast i am your host michael neal jr this show is presented by belly up sports and the belly up sports podcast network bellyupsports.com check us out Spreaker is our home base of our podcast family. Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube. You can find all of our shows, multiple sports shows, fantasy sports, anything you want. We got it at Belly of Sports. All right, so I'm like really amped up for this show. Um, I might be overly prepared. So I'm going to give you all I got. Um, (laughs) And if I repeat myself, Please forgive me. I'm trying not to. I got kind of a, I want to make sure you got that. It's almost like my pastor, you know, he'll, he'll re-preach. Oh, he'll re-preach. He'll, maybe, uh, he, he'll repeat a lot of things and he'll always say, y'all don't hear me. I guess that's kind of my way of doing that, but I'll try not to repeat myself. I just want you to, to, to get it. All right. Did you hear me this time? You got, okay. Yeah. That kind of thing. But yeah, um, very excited. Let's get to it. So first and foremost, 
you know, I mean, what have we been talking about? The end of dynasties, right? Um, I'm, I'm trying to bring to the table not just the building that we're so familiar with, but then how did they go away? Even the teams that you don't know about. Yeah, we talked about the Packers and the Cowboys. And I don't have to tell you about the Patriots. I don't have to tell you about the 90s Cowboys. You know what happened. You know Jimmy, and John, Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones couldn't get along. You know that <laughs> Bill Belichick and, and um, you know, the Patriots organization, they finally allowed Tom Brady to go away. Not saying that, you know, they're going to stink. They did make the playoffs this past season. But it's not the dynasty anymore. That's over with. <laughs> that's over and done um rob gronkowski matter of fact he retired today so i'll probably do a show on tight ends or something like that but anyway um you know we know about some of them we know about you know how you get old and all that stuff i'm gonna try to stop saying that um you if you don't know by now go back and listen to the last couple of shows and you'll find out but with the with this one today like i said i'm really excited with this one because some of the stories just kind of Again, I, I'm here to learn as well as, you know, enlighten others and, you know, and, and to teach, you know, the stuff that I already know. But there's a lot of stuff that I had no idea about. And when I, I mean, what do you think of when you say the Baltimore Colts? When you say Baltimore Colts, not Indianapolis Colts, the Baltimore Colts, what do you think of? You know, the Baltimore Ravens, Peyton Manning, the secret move in 1983, you know, the Mayflower trucks in the middle of the night. Historians, you know, obviously, they'll probably think of all of these things. But the great Colts teams really resided in the late 50s and, you know, through a good majority of the 60s. They were the ones that were challenging the Packers. They were the ones that were challenging um, the, the New York Giants. And, you know, and, and they was competing with the Chicago Bears. Were they always great? No, but they pretty much had a winning record about every single year in the 60s uh, when they started out eh, not so much so you know as a matter of fact to get a better understanding of the history of the Colts before they got good you have to understand where they came from kick the music you could trace it all the way back to before the NFL was actually formed one of the original NFL teams were the Dayton Triangles. And, you know, they moved and changed their name a couple of times. 1930, they were what, the Brooklyn Dodgers. And then later on, uh, they were the Brooklyn Tigers. Fast forward to 1946, when the All-America Football Conference came to be, you had a team, the Miami Seahawks. They were terrible, and they folded, and the team was relocated to Baltimore. Their colors at the time were green and silver. Well, the first Baltimore team in the AAFC was just seven and seven, but they actually were in the playoffs. But after that, they stunk. Now the Miami Seahawks actually folded up, like I said, after one season and their owner couldn't even afford to play the players. They were playing almost for free <laughs> towards the end of the season. He And he had to pretty much get a financial bailout and that's because he didn't have as deeper pockets as the other owners in the AAFC. But Miami's first, you know, try it, pro football went down the tubes but it picked up in baltimore baltimore were the recipients of their first professional football franchise that actually would uh you know get that fan base you know going okay to even where it is today so they were again they were seven to seven and then uh they stunk after that but then the aafc folded after four years right the colts were actually one of three teams only three teams to be brought over to the nfl in 1950 that lasted a whole year 
52, another failed franchise, the Dallas Texans, actually ended up being relocated to Baltimore after the city was awarded another franchise. This was you know, something that happened after then NFL commissioner Burt Bell challenged the city to sell about 15,000 tickets in six weeks. The fans did it in four. <laughs> Congrats, Baltimore. You know, the principal owner became Carol Rosenblum. Keep that mind, uh, that name etched in your mind. Okay, the 53 season, the team was just three and nine under the first head coach of that squad, Keith Molesworth. 54 Molesworth was replaced by eventual head coach and Pro Football Hall of Fame head coach Weeb Eubank, who was hired away from the Cleveland Browns, where he was a scout and assistant for Paul Brown. Molesworth became the team VP and director of player personnel. Again, the Baltimore Colts stunk a little bit. You know, that same year, they were three and nine again. You know, that in '54, that first year with Eubank. But Eubank built them into a champion. By 1957, the Colts had their first winning season at seven and five. Then came the magical years of 1958 and 1959. Twice the Baltimore Colts would defeat the New York Giants for back-to-back -back championships. The epic 58 game, that was the first NFL championship game nationally televised, put the NFL on the map. This franchise was led by great players such as Artie Donovan, uh, who played with the first incarnation of the Colts that came over from the AAFC in 1950 and of course he was still there when the uh, franchise was picked up in 53 by Baltimore. Gino Marchetti actually played not just with Artie Donovan with the Dallas Texans uh, and you know folded on over to uh, the Baltimore Colts in 53. Alan Amici he was drafted in 1955 big horse of a running back yeah that's what they called him Alan the horse Amici. Uh, Lenny Moore great halfback uh, wide receiver kind of like the Alvin Kamara of the time in 56, he was drafted along with Raymond Berry, Jim Parker, another Hall of Famer, uh, as a tackle and later as a guard, actually was drafted in 1957, same year as Jim Brown. Big Daddy Lipscomb was traded to Baltimore, uh, defensive lineman, from the Rams, and he was a two-time Pro Bowler during those championship seasons in 58 and 59. One of the few black players, along with uh, Jim Parker and Lenny Moore, that played a big uh, part, who was one of the few black players to actually be, you know, on a squad uh, during that time. It's when African-Americans were really getting recognized for their talent and they were being brought on these teams and these guys played a big role. And probably nobody played a bigger role than Johnny Unitas. He was the quarterback. He replaced George Shaw who went down hurt during that 56 season. If you don't know Johnny Unitas' story, I'll give it to you in a nutshell. The man was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was cut and was playing semi-pro football for about six bucks a game, and he was working construction. When Weeb Eubank recognized this guy who got passed by by Notre Dame and ended up having an okay career with the Louisville Cardinals, and Eubank said, you know, I'll take it. They had tryouts uh, all the time and brought in many, many players, and they only kept who they felt was going to make the team, and they loved his arm. They loved the way that he put the ball on people, and they kept him for a reason. He was the backup before Shaw went down hurt, and <laughs> the rest, as they say, is history. At the time of his retirement, uh, by 73, Unitas was probably the best quarterback of all time. He was looked at as the best quarterback of all time. So, uh, 57, the next year, as he was the full-time starter, Unitas was the MVP. The 58 championship put pro football on the map. The 59 championship put the 
Colts as the best team in the league. 1960, the AFL was born, and it actually spelled doom for the Baltimore Colts franchise. I'll explain. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So the Baltimore Colts were the best football team in the NFL at the time. Back-to-back champions in 58 and 59. They have a a lot of Hall of Famers to be on this squad, okay, including their head coach, Weeb Eubank. Just imagine your team being a back-to-back Super Bowl champion and then falling to 500. Well, there has to be a reason for that. Sometimes it's injury and things like that. Or sometimes you're just not playing as well as you thought that you were going to play. Well, let's fast forward to week 11 during the 1960 season. Well, Weeb's team at the time is 6-3. and three. Okay, they had just lost to the San Francisco 49ers. They go back home. On December 4th, they're playing in Memorial Stadium, week 11 against the Detroit Lions. Well, there's a guy, defensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions that I, he will remain nameless for the time. And this guy's got, you know, this is post Bobby Lane, right? So Bobby Lane is already gone, uh, I believe, from the Detroit Lions. But at the time, the defense actually took over as being, you know, the the creme de la creme, the, the, the heart of the Detroit Lions team. Remember, we talked about a couple weeks ago how the Detroit Lions were really the team of the 50s along with the Cleveland Browns. So... This team, though, was defensively led. You had guys like Alex Alex Karras. You had Dick Night Train Lane, Dick LeBeau. And their quarterback at the time was Earl Morrill, okay? And that defense, they had picked Johnny Unitas off three times during that game. Baltimore actually held a 15 to 10, oh, excuse me, 15 to 10 lead with 14 seconds left to go. And then a miracle happens. Earl Morrill throws a 65-yard game-winning touchdown uh, to a guy by the name of Jim Jim Gibbons. And, you know, that's all she wrote. And so that dropped the Colts not only to 6-4, but they would lose their remaining games in that season to finish at 6-6. Not only did they lose those games, but they also lost lost Allen the Horse Amici. They lost their best running back, and he had an Achilles injury that he never recovered from. He ends up retiring uh, post-1960 during that, uh, you know, after that season was over with. So, you know, can you say that age was a factor? And we're talking about the ends of dynasties. Age was a factor. Of course, injuries are a factor. Now, apparently, you know, because Amici never played again after that. And, you know, that team slowly started to come undone after that season but that wasn't the only thing that kind of did them in so in 1961 we tried he he really did he tried and that team finished eight and six but again it was the afl that actually had 
a really big effect, not just on, you know, the Baltimore Colts, but they did have on the entire league because you finally you have another professional football league since the AAFC went away back in 1949 in their final season. And there's a challenger. If this one didn't go away, you know anything about the, uh, the AFL, that league lasted 10 years. That did not go away. And the TV contracts kept that league going. Not only that, their style of play was a lot better, a lot easier on the eyes. They actually threw the football a lot. Well, they tried drafting multiple players, okay? The AFL comes in, and I'll give you just a couple of examples, okay? For instance, we did try. He drafted Ron Mix. Ron Mix was a future Pro Football Hall of Fame lineman out of USC. He was drafted just like a lot of players were at that time by two different leagues. And most of the time, they either went to the team that was going to pay them more or they just wanted to go to the NFL. I just put it that way. <laughs> or they, they just, or, you know, there were different reasons. And even some of the African-American players that weren't getting the same chances in the NFL, they ended up, even they, some of them were drafted higher in the NFL draft than the AFL draft. And they opted to go with them because they they were going to have more ample opportunities to play. Well, Ron Mix was getting paid more, and he signed with the San Diego Chargers. It was either the Colts or the Chargers. He chose the Chargers. All right, he wasn't the only one. Four out of five picks were signed uh, that that they had. I think it was in 1960. Four of the five picks actually signed with the AFL, and that included not only guys like Ron Mix. But there was a defensive end who was drafted by the Houston Oilers, Don Floyd. Ended up going to be an all-star with the Oilers as well as a two-time champ. So you know, that that was those were some of the factors there. And if you also go back to 1960, there was a running back by the name of Ron Perkins. And he actually ended up going to the Dallas Cowboys. And it was really so not so much the drafting, but... It was more so they wanted the Cowboys to have, um, and this wasn't the AFL thing, they wanted the Cowboys to have, because um, they were a new team in 1960, they wanted to have you know some of the better players, kind of AF, uh, AAFC-like. AAFC was having some problems as far as getting some of their players to actually, um, and some of their teams to actually be good. So they plucked from off of some of the better squads or they put some of the better draft picks on these squads in order for their teams to do better. That's what happened. Colts didn't get Perkins. He ended up signing with the Cowboys. And that just yet another one of those things that happened. By 1962, Baltimore was 7-7. Seven and seven. They couldn't sign their draft picks. They lost their best running back. Now, they still had some talent on that team, but it didn't help with that they just couldn't replenish some of the guys that they will continue to lose. Well, after that 62 season, Weeb Eubank was told to step down as head coach. And he was offered an unspecified job by owner Cal Rosenblum. And Eubank, he turned that down and he took a $60,000 severance check, which was pretty big money at the time. But when he was fired, players actually saw it on both sides. Okay, for one, it was the voice of the coach has worn thin crowd. I mean, you have... Um, some of those players that they say, hey, he's been here nine years and I think it's time for a new voice. They liked Weeb. It wasn't that, you know, a lot of those guys didn't like Weeb. 
they just felt like his voice was worn real thin. He was a really good teacher. Um, wasn't a holler at your coach. He was a little bit more of a player's coach from what I read and what how he was described. But, I mean, you know, it, it was just one of those situations where some of those guys probably thought, I mean, we may need something new, you know, to come up in here. So, and, and the man thought his job was secure. And with that, I'm going to have to throw in here in the middle right quick, a little quick story time with Uncle Mike. All right, kids, y'all already know. Get your blankets. Uh, yeah, gather around, get your mats. So, we do bank before he got the job in Baltimore, worked under Cleveland head coach Paul Brown. Didn't everybody. I mean, this guy's coaching tree. We'll go over it one of these days. It's just freaking amazing, whether they were former players as well as assistants or both. Um, Eubank was a scout on Brown's staff back in 1950. And as the story goes, Paul Brown and his entire staff went to Cleveland Stadium to watch Syracuse play John Carroll University. Of course, they were there to see the players from Syracuse. They wanted to see the Orangemen, okay? But two players in particular stood out from the other team. Well, the Orangemen were upset that day by John Carroll, 21-16. Weeb Eubank suggested that Cleveland draft both of the running backs from John Carroll, the fullback and the halfback. One of them, the fullback, ran for 115 yards on 25 carries, and I think he scored all three touchdowns, if I remember correctly. He was a fullback by the name of Carl Tassif. The Browns did draft him and his backfield teammate. That other one was the starting halfback that ran for 124 yards on 23 carries. He was selected in the ninth round of the 51 draft. March 23, 1953, there was a 15-player trade between Cleveland and the Baltimore Colts. The Browns sent 10 players to the Colts in exchange for five. Two of those players were those backs from John Carroll, one of whom was converted into a defensive back. Of course, this guy played for Wee Eubank in Baltimore as well from 1954 to 1956 before getting waived by the Colts during training camp in 1957. The halfback's name, Don Shula. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. You never know. Football is such a small world. And how would Weeb know? He scouted his eventual replacement. And not only that, that 1960 game that was played between Detroit and Baltimore, Shula was the defensive coordinator for those Detroit Lions. Yeah, you know, that, that that's the kind of coach that they were getting. And so, I mean, that stuff is always interesting to me. And so is this. When you really think about how long championship level head coaches kept their jobs back then. But then, too, if you really think about it, it just depends on the who the owner is. Who's the owner? Okay? Now, it's real easy to say, okay, Tom Landry, Don Shula, Chuck Noll. They, uh, uh, Bud Grant, whether they won Super Bowls or were in a lot of Super Bowls, some of those guys, they did have some losing seasons and they got a chance to continue, you know, their, their thing, but some of them did not. <laughs> some of them got out, you know, early for their own reasons. But if you look at the ownership, and I'm talking about all head coaches, not just these guys, but if you look at the ownership, Carol Rosenblum was described as basically having a quick trigger. Uh, going back to that how players saw it on both sides Raymond Barry said that Rosenblum fired the best coach in the business that's what he said I mean I, I don't know if I can argue with that he said that he had a quick trigger injuries were a reason for the decline but it wasn't just that then it was the emergence of the AFL I mean you Weave Eubank probably could have kept that thing going it wasn't like his cupboard was necessarily empty so you know it's just one of those things 
Um, but the way that those 50s coast teams eventually went down. Okay, so you look at it. Big Daddy Limscombe, who was traded from Baltimore, you know, to Baltimore from the Rams, and was a two-time pro bowler. He ended up in Pittsburgh by 1960. Alan Amici, he has the Achilles injury and retires after 1960. Now, Artie Donovan had been in the league for a while, all-pro defensive tackle. He was gone by 1961. Gino Marchetti, and he was there until 1964, came back, he left, came back in 66 before finally retiring. Jim Parker, Lenny Moore, Raymond Berry, they all retired in 1967. And again, we, in 62, he was replaced by the former Colts defensive back, Don Shula. And there's a story behind that as well. Now, they hired the youngest coach in NFL history at the, at the age, the tender age of 33. Don Shula was great. He was. But if you fast forward to 1968 and, you know, the Baltimore Colts, you know, they were winning a lot, but they hadn't won a championship. That's something that Weeb Eubank did twice, twice, okay? Go back to that list of those great players from the first two title teams and, and compare that to the 68 team. Well, the 68 team had eight pro bowlers, four all pros. They were 13-1 and one in the regular season. After the playoffs going into the Super Bowl, they were an NFL best 15-1 and one heading into that Super Bowl three game against the New York Jets where Weeb Eubank was the head coach. They were supposed to be the greatest team of all time. Earl Morrill had come on <laughs> to the team and he ended up being the starter because in what, preseason? Your man uh, hurt his elbow. Johnny Unitas couldn't throw. He had to have surgery. Morrill comes in, not only takes him to this great record, but he's the NFL MVP in 68. Tom Maddy, pretty good running back at the time. He replaced Alan Amici. Then you have receivers like Willie Richardson and John Mackey, of course, you know, the Hall of Fame tight end. Left tackle Bob Vogel. You got Bubba Smith and Fred Miller and Mike Curtis, Bobby Boyd, Lenny Lyles, Rick Volk. And of course, ultimately, Eubank, he got the ultimate revenge on not only his uh, the guy that he scouted, but also the owner, Carol Rosenblum, by upsetting the Colts in you know the greatest upset in championship history in Super Bowl history you know one of them anyway but to me it almost seems like we've got the best out of the Colts early on you had all of those Hall of Famers with the Colts early you had a couple afterwards too that's 6018 you know it was supposed to be the greatest one and then Rosenblum he fires Eubank because he wasn't winning enough at the time but he ignored the details he replaces him with Don Shula and the guy never won a title in Baltimore they fired the guy that won more titles to that point. But, you know, those 50 Colts, those 50s Colts, uh, excuse me, definitely would have been sustained had they been able to sign their draft picks. The AFL slick took them out. And it doesn't help when your best running back goes down injured. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that wasn't everything that happened. They just didn't play as well as they could have down the stretch. And then again, again, they signed Don Perkins you know, with the Colts, uh, instead of the Cowboys, I'm just saying, Perkins finished fifth all-time in rushing by the time he retired. So, but 69, 1969, the Colts, they were 8-5-1, missed the playoffs. Somebody must have read the tea leaves because they saw an opening and they took it. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So, Carol Rosenblum, uh, after the 69 season, he goes on vacation overseas. All right. Uh, this this one uh, really, <laughs> this one has got to stink. This one is, I mean, I, I'm sure it stung. This was years ago. Okay. But the Miami Dolphins are looking for a coach. A Miami newspaper man asked Don Shula, you know, about being a, the coach of the Miami Dolphins. And Shula, he expresses interest. Now, Joe Robbie's people, who's the owner, you know, at the time of the Miami Dolphins, they asked the coach for permission to speak with Don Shula with Rosenblum out of town. It fell to Rosenblum's son, Steve, who actually granted that permission. Turns out, that wasn't what the Colts owner wanted for obvious reasons. Although, quiet is kept, people in the Colts organization believed that a change was coming anyway. Just like we, Eubank, back in 1962, seven years earlier. Of course, Don Shula took the job, and the Colts ended up being compensated for their head coaching loss. Miami had to give up their number one pick to Baltimore because the owner was mad. Whoopity-doo. Do you know how Weeb Eubank lost his job, though? Okay, I'll tell you. If you don't know, Eubank and his wife, I guess this is a second story time with Uncle Mike. Nah, we ain't got to do that. So Eubank and his wife go on a vacation that Baltimore pays for. The Colts pay for this vacation. Where do you think the money came from? You know, <laughs> Carol Rosenblum's got to put a check in that box. In order to say, yeah, go ahead and, and go ahead and do that. While he's away, Carol Rosenblum brings Don Shula in for a secret interview. You know, Eubank thought that his job was secure. I told you that earlier in the show, right? But he found out that it wasn't the case. A day later, he and some of his staff lost their jobs. Yeah, a media member actually contacted I believe it was Eubank's wife or something like that. And it's like, no, we're, we're, he's like, no, we're, we're, I've talked to Carol and we're okay. And I think one of his staff members uh, spoke with Weeb and and he's telling Weeb, dude, I hear that it's, it's over. You know, they, they're, they're kicking us out. And they find out that it's the truth. They thought everything was okay, but it, it wasn't even after winning uh, you know, those eight games or whatever, eight and six. I mean, that was a so-so record, but no playoffs. So <laughs> that that was what, that's what, that was what, that was that. That was it. <laughs> so the guy who sent his previous coach on vacation and hired Don Shula behind his back was mad. Hmm. <laughs> the situation surely changes when you find yourself in it. I can't feel bad for Carol Rosenblum. What goes around comes around, man. You know, that's what happened. So, yeah, the Colts, they won Super Bowl five in 1970. 
And this after the Colts interviewed like what 28 people or something like that, and they settled on longtime assistant Don McCafferty. Uh, he wouldn't last three years. They actually weren't bad, but it was probably the worst Super Bowl ever, you know, that they won. United's played like trash, only completed three passes, was knocked out of the game with a rib injury. Morrow came in, didn't really play much better, but they got it done. The game was tied at 13. Jim O'Brien kicks a game winner with seconds left to beat uh, the Cowboys. And after that, the team started falling apart. By this time, yeah, you can now say that the team got old. Players started retiring, of course, the coach was replaced. And even that's a story within itself. Um, you know, 1970, they were 11-2-1. They were actually pretty good. I mean, Johnny Unitas, he was 37 years old. He threw 14 touchdowns and 18 interceptions. Morrow was the backup. They had a guy that they drafted, Norm Bouyash, who fumbled a lot. You know, but he, he Ed, Eddie Hinton, and Roy Jefferson, John Mackey was still on the team. They got it done. Tom Maddy was hurt. You know, majority of the season. That's why Bouyash took over, you know, as a starter. Jimmy Orr, who was wide open, and Oral Morrow tried to throw the football somewhere else and threw uh, interception in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Maybe they would have scored a touchdown, another touchdown. Maybe they would have even won the game. Uh, Jimmy Orr was a backup. Bubba Smith was still around. Mike Tur uh, Curtis, uh, Roy Hilton, Jerry Logan, they were all pro bowlers. Ted Hendricks, before he was with the Raiders, was playing with those Colts. The 71 team, the next year, they were 10-4, but guess who they lost the conference title game to? Yeah, the Miami Dolphins, coached by Don Shula, 21-zip. to zip. In the end, yeah, the team fell apart a little bit. 72, though, Rosenblum would trade franchises straight up to a guy by the name of Robert Ursay. Yeah, y'all think y'all know who he is. Even swap straight up Baltimore for the L.A. Rams. And speaking of California, 1973, Dionysus was shipped off to the San Diego Chargers. Yeah, that was it. But meanwhile, Don Shula, going all the way back to 1970 when he was uh, hired as the coach, he led the Dolphins to their first winning season that year. Yeah, they lost to the Colts early in the season in the quote-unquote revenge game. But after that, though, dominance. But that is another story. References, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Uncle, thanks to ProFootballHallOfFame.com, ProFootballReference.com. Also, website life before indianapolis a history of the baltimore Colts. that was by bonesawtripod.com at jcusports.com celebrating 100 years of jcu athletics the legendary syracuse game also collision of wills the book god this is a really good book i'm not even halfway done reading it Collision of Wheels, Johnny Unitas, Don Shula, and the Rise of the Modern NFL. This was written by Jack Gilden. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show is presented by Belly Up Sports, Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Also, bellyupsports.com. You can catch us all on our home base of podcasts with Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, -E -E Spreaker, not speaker, Spreaker. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about this show. I do work for FedEx. I will find your house. I'm out.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.